once again, the Success is My Religion podcast is partnering with the HBCU Experience Movement. We are interviewing the the co-authors of the North Carolina A&T State University's third edition book that is coming out soon. I hope you enjoyed these episodes. Me and this dude had a great conversation. You are going to love this. I hope you love it. But Justin Jarrell Moore is an Aggie, born and bred. The son of a preacher and a teacher, Justin was born in Greensboro and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. He received his Bachelor's of Science in Music Education with the alto saxophone as his principal instrument. For five years, Justin was uh, fully dedicated to A&T's marching band, the Blue and Gold Marching marching Machine. Two of those years were spent as the drum major for the band. Justin also played the tenor sax in the University Jazz Band under the leadership of Dr. Henry and Professor Moffitt and the symphonic band directed by Dr. Ruff. He was in the University Chamber Choir singing first tenor, led by Professor Professor Trice. Justin is a proud brother of the Iota Iota Zeta chapter of Kappa Kappa Psi National Honorary Band Fraternity Incorporated and the Mu Psi chapter of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. His passion for performing and music led him into the family of A&T's theater department, where he was cast in his first musical as the Scarecrow in The Wiz, directed by Professor Donna Baldwin Bradby on the Paul Robeson Theater stage on campus. It is here that Justin found where he would focus his attention and goals Returning to Charlotte after graduating, Justin taught K-5 through music at Nathaniel Alexander Elementary and Hidden Valley Elementary Schools simultaneously. While joining the theater production family on Q Productions, during this time, Justin was given the space to grow as an actor in plays like Funny House of a Negro, the Colored Museum, and the musicals The Civil War and Floyd Collins. Now, after seven years in New York City, Justin has been using all of his all of his tools that were cultivated and groomed while at NC A&T State University. He has performed professionally as an actor with many different theater groups throughout the city and surrounding areas. Also a premier master of ceremonies for live events like music festivals, concerts, galas, and fundraisers. Justin Jarrell is so thankful for and thankful and grateful for each and every moment lived at ANT. Every smile wipe smiley wipe, every eight o'clock class, every Aggie lean, every bark every pregame and every black party thank you supreme source 
Thank you, A&T. Thank you, Dennis Hale. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a good one. Hello? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got it now. I I had never done it with the AirPods in, so I was like, I ain't going to chance it going dead in the middle of the the podcast. I completely understand. (laughs) So, uh, welcome to the Success is My Religion podcast, where we study success from the perspectives of African Americans and people of color. As you know, we are here. Um, I'm interviewing the some of the co-authors of your new book, the HBCU Experience Movement, yes, the sir. North Carolina A and T State University Aggie Second or no Third Edition, it's the Third Edition, yes, <laughs> Third sir. Edition, yes, and uh, I want to welcome Justin Jarrell. He is one of the co-authors of that book. Can you tell the audience and me uh, a little bit about you? Uh, Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Uh, I'm an Aggie. Uh, My mother is an Aggie. Um, And so I've been going to A&T throughout my life. Uh, Most of the time I didn't realize I was at A&T. I was just following my my mom to see all the other Black people. But that's that's what it was when I was a child. Uh, my father is a pastor, and I was raised in United Methodist Church, so it had me moving around throughout most of my life. But I, I ended up in Charlotte. I claimed Charlotte as my home, uh, and from that experience, I believe, led me to all the things I'm doing now, as far as acting and performance and just being on stage. Uh, I'm a part of the marching band at ANT. And the marching band experience, even from Charlotte, from Harding University High School into North Carolina A&T is a pretty big part of my life. Uh, I'm in the marching band fraternity, National Honorary Band Fraternity, Kappa Kappa Psi. I'm also a a brother of Omega Sci-Fi, the new side chapter at North Carolina A&T. What else about me? Uh, Go ahead. I'm loud and I'm energetic. And I know how to do it, and I like to do it. <laughs> you know how to do what? Everything. 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 If, you, if you hand me the microphone, and we're going to have a good time. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much invested in that. Uh, but the things that I do, I feel very confident of my ability uh, in being able to perform them in that way. And mm-hmm. I stand beside myself when I'm put to the test. Man, and that's one of the the main things that I see uh, in people that come from HBCUs is that they have a ton of confidence moving about life. And what do you think that is? This is one of the questions that I usually ask later, but you brought it up, so <laughs> I I want to I want to get get your take on what what that is that comes from HBCUs. I think. Well, I hope you hear me stuttering because it's kind of a hard thing to explain because yeah, I walked into it. You know what I'm saying? It was happening before I was born. And when I got there, I'm just a piece of it happening to the people who were there with me, um, to the people who were there before me, and to the people who will go to A&T after I have left. I know that I am just a piece 
of that. And I hope that my participation in it helped uplift it. And at every moment that I continue walking, I hope that I'm continuing to uplift it. Uh, but I also think, well, and I also think that as a black person in America, as a quote unquote minority in America, as a person who is on the side of the oppressed people in this country, going to a, entering a world where everyone was black, I think is a game changer. When your perspective of yourself is no longer weighed on your race. Mm. And white people get to experience this all the time. Mm -hmm. There are cities in this country where there are like five black people in the whole city, you know what I mean? And yeah. the, the white people in those areas just get to be who they are. Where anywhere in this country, maybe outside of Atlanta, <laughs> Black people don't get to live in an environment where they get to be who they are outside of race. Unconditionally. Unconditionally who they are. And at any moment in time, as a Black person, if you are in a room with white people, everything that is being said, you have to know is being filtered through racism. And not necessarily in a negative way, but we were born into a society that has pre-built judgments in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And pre-built ideas, pre-built... White supremacy. It's filtered through white supremacy. It's filtered through white supremacy. Even if you're because they are the person, top, right? They are the quote-unquote type. Even if you're a nice white person, even, if you, even as a black person in a room full of white people, you are still filtering your thoughts through the mm -hmm. rules of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um... The way you see yourself is through the lens of white supremacy. And I think it was, and I, t I tell this story many times because I can now reflect on who I am. Uh, in 1984, when I was born, the, the name Justin is on the list of the top 10 used names for boys that year. Not for black boys, not for white boys, but just boys in general. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of Justins roaming the world that were born the year I was born. And majority of them are white. And in every room that I was in, especially in middle school and elementary school, there were always more than one Justin. And I, because of the country that I live in, I was black Justin. Mm. And everything that I had to do was filtered through the lens of not me, but the black version of me. <laughs> <laughs> which I am the black version of me. So what does that even mean? So it wasn't until A&T or my, my HBCU, because I don't think that this experience is uh, universal to A&T. This is uh -huh. the time that black people are able to exist in a black society free of white people. And by free of white people, I mean free of constant white supremacy. Mm -hmm. My 
my my chancellor was black my teachers were black my lunch lady was black my doctor at the health center was black um everybody i saw was black and so no i understand that to be that no decision that i was making for myself or for other people was whether they were or were not a race of any sort mm -hmm. and so we all got to experience that together of just being who we are and most of us discovered who we are while we were there because it was the first time that we got to experience opening our mouth without having to filter ourselves through white supremacy Mm, I'm I'm struggling with that right now because I I understand. <laughs> yeah, I wanna I wanna uh share what I know to the world and it, it so I created a, a a philosophy for individual achievement and it is an individual type success blueprint thing that 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 one person can use specifically for their circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what we, we, uh, what I can't really talk about in, in the education atmosphere that I, I work in is the, the, the white supremacy perspective and how we have to navigate that. Oh. So when I talk about our talk to uh, black and Brown students, like I have to talk, in the navigation of white supremacy from where they're at in high school oh to God. where when they uh whatever they do for the rest of their life right oh my so God. so um i feel like there's constraints on my voice because i can't project this out to the whole school right because <laughs> the, the whole school is minorities but then the the staff the yeah yeah exactly so, so i can't really I, I i can you know i can have the same um i can have the same mindset and i can talk to them like in small groups and one-on-one -on -one and and things like that and tell them that in 20 years that this country is going to be a majority minority country and you're going to be the leaders so we got to start now in preparing you to be a leader uh knowing that the fact that you're going to be my age in 20 years I need you to be a leader and, and I, I'm going to help you right now without you even understanding that, you know. that yes, yes. <laughs> but I need you to, to I need you to be an active participant. So that's why I'm telling you this. I could I could just not tell you and just try to do it, but I need you to actively engage and say, I'm going to be a leader as just in your life, because the reason why the podcast is called Success is my religion is because I think for black and brown people, success is like one of the number one, the, uh, pro I'm not even going to say one of the number one thing that we need to uh, strive for yeah. because it's set such an example. It's, it's excellent, you know, black and brown excellence, yeah. you know, <laughs> and once we see that over and over and over and over again and coming from the different backgrounds that we come from, it's going to start a chain reaction. So by the the time this country is that majority minority country and when we don't have to say we're a minority anymore yes then <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be ready for for that time but 
you know, me and you, we, we born in the same year. So 20 years from now, we're going to be uh, 57, 58. You know what I mean? We're going to be the old cats in the room. So, yes. and so, so what be, is that going to look everything like? Everything that we do right now is we need to make sure that the people under us are able to carry the baton, the baton that we hopefully we are currently carrying. Right. And I also, I'm also an educator. And in the classroom, I had to step away from teaching. Mm-hmm. For for your the exact same thing that you were talking about, and I have a little brief story that I like to share. I don't share this story most uh, a lot of times, but I'm I'm glad that you brought this up. I I'm a music teacher, uh, and I was teaching elementary music K five at two different schools, mm-hmm. and my first and this was early in my education career, so I was really just trying to make it through the year. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't trying to do big splashes. I was just trying to survive these years. Mm-hmm. And so my first year of teaching, um, it's Black History Month. I don't. I'm not teaching social studies. I'm the music teacher. This is gonna be easy. I'm gonna teach. Um, I have to teach lift every voice and stand. Just lift every voice and sing. Just because mm-hmm. I'm black and I know that they don't know it. So I, it's like it just it has to be taught. And the other one is we shall overcome. And mm. I'm starting with We Shall Overcome. It's three. This is me. I'm, I'm telling you how my brain's seeing it. We Shall Overcome is three notes. It's a A, A, B, A song. Very, very simple. Very, very easy. Boo, 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 boo. That's low key a nursery rhyme. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and in my classrooms, I'm teaching 80% black p- kids. The rest of that is Hispanic. And like 1% is, is white. So I start singing start teaching we shall overcome and i'm getting a lot of lackluster because most of the time i i halfway thought that this was going to be so easy because most of my kids shouldn't know it already right right crushing them on this song this is take two days to do justin good job um so my children have never heard this song and this is 2000 when this is happening for me this is 2012 my kids have never heard this song and they have no understanding of overcoming anything they don't know what needs to be overcome, why it needs to be overcome. Mm-hmm. Why are we singing this song? Mr. Moore, I don't understand. So now I need to give the song context, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also I thought was going to be fairly simple. And I start teaching, I start showing images of black people marching down the street singing We Shall Overcome. I thought that was going to be enough. It wasn't. Because no, I still don't know what they're overcoming. So now I need to show them the obstacles that the black people are now trying to overcome. And so I start showing those. I start showing black kids, I mean, black kids and uh, people getting sprayed with water hoses and getting attacked by dogs. I start showing all of this. I show some stuff of Bull Connor in Alabama of mm-hmm. how he talked about black people and wanting everything to be separate. And my kids are just going, I don't understand, Mr. Moore. I show them the water fountains. And one of my little boys looks at me and he says, I'm going to drink out the nice water fountain. And I looked back at him and I said, no, 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 you, no, you would not. You will get killed. What they going to do to me? What they going to do? How they going to stop me? And I just said, you just wouldn't do it. Ha ha. Yes, I would. And so now I got to go to Emmett Till. And I I, I teach my children about Emmett Till and um, that he just whistled, which now we know he didn't even do that. Mm -hmm. And I had to show them, I had to show them what happens to black people at this time and yes there's a lot for us to overcome 
And after that, they was like, oh, snap, we shall overcome, Mr. Moore. Right. It was and a different tone to that. There was a different tone now. Now there's there's some little heat behind we shall overcome and what it is that we need to overcome. Now, here's where the story gets tricky. Mm-hmm. There's one white girl in this class. I love this little white girl. I don't have any issues with this little white girl. I love her. She's a cute little white girl. She starts having nightmares because the black kids who are witnessing this trauma for the first time and going, oh, my God, that happened to my grandparents. Mm -hmm. She is looking at it and going, oh, my God, my grandparents are doing this. Mm -hmm. And she's in a room where all of her friends are black and she doesn't understand Mm -hmm. why the white people would be doing this. And but then on the next day, after she has her nightmare, my principal comes to my room and says, Mr. Moore, you're done with Black History Month. You're done. They said that to you. He looked me in my eyeballs and said, no more Black History Month. And was the principal white or black? He was an older white man. Okay. And it was at that moment. You knew you had to get out. I knew I was done with the yeah. education system because it was not benefiting the children that I yeah. that that I respond to. I'm at a Title One school. Mm-hmm. All the kids is black. Mm-hmm. I, I can't teach the black kids the black stuff. I don't understand. Right. Uh, right. And so now that I'm understanding critical race theory, but I also know that I grew up in this, mm-hmm. and that my white teachers at my white schools, because I was normally at a predominantly white school, mm-hmm. I also did not learn this at their age. Right. You know what I mean? So I grew up seeing everything through the lens of white supremacy and through the lens of white people. And it was not until. And so that means I have been indoctrinated into the system of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was at an all black environment that wasn't my church, because at church it was I went to an all black church. But that happens once a week, maybe twice a week three times a week if your dad's the preacher like it was for me. Mm-hmm. But for five years, I was in college for five years, uh, praise God, I was immersed in an entirely Black world where I got to learn that being Black is not a monolith, that there are successful Black people and there are there are uh, Black people who don't get good grades and there are Black people. My SGA president is Black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, while the kid that fails out of school is also black. Mm-hmm. I got to witness a variety of black cultures throughout this uh, throughout this country. I'm from North Carolina, so going to A&T wasn't a drastic change for me. But meeting black people from New York, from Baltimore, from Mississippi, from California, who come all the way across the country to go to my uh, to go to my university, I got to witness the vast um differences in just black people the diversity the diversity with inside of the black people mm-hmm. is so immense that if you're constantly in a white world you don't get to see that you don't get to understand that you don't get to learn yourself free of white supremacy mm-hmm. uh, and i think my pride for myself my pride for my people uh, my pride for my university comes from that experience, comes from knowing that my people are great, my people are capable, and the only reason that we have not constantly risen to the top is because there is a system that's built to try to keep me down. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A&T is we, we celebrate February 1st because four of our students did the first sit-in. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the catalyst to the entire movement. And those are my people. Mm-hmm. And I went to school. I saw the statue every single day. I went to, I was in my, the music building, Fraser Hall is a five minute walk, not even five minute, uh, a 45 second walk from the statue. I pass it every day. It's a part of my history. I was born in Greensboro. My mama taught, told me about Woolworths when I was a kid. And I didn't understand what it meant until YouTube and literally seeing the videos of black people being hauled out of these places right but i know that by a, t- a lot of people by like, it'd be five, four people five, in there. four black men yeah 70 80 white people yanking them out that's a tremendous amount of fortitude that's yeah. a tremendous amount of courage that's a tremendous amount of bravery of saying this has to happen and i'm doing it now and i think that drives me in every room that I'm in. And I know, had I gone to UNCG, had I gone to Chapel Hill, uh, had I gone to Harvard, any of these other universities, I wouldn't have that inside of me. It's literally impossible if you are of a campus that may have 20,000 students, or let's say 5,000 students, you're a part of the two percent of the black people. It's right. not possible for you to experience this this euphoric feeling of being a part of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't see it, and your your teacher that you like, he's white, and he's viewing you through white supremacy. Right, and he's you're teaching you through... through white supremacy. And the students that you're raising your hands with are viewing you through white supremacy and you're viewing them through white supremacy. It's impossible for you to know, as a Black person, you can't say, I know exactly who I am unless you have been able to be free of white supremacy. Right. And that only, in this country, is only in three places that I can count. HBCUs, Black church, Atlanta. I'm a part of the the Phoenix Network right now, which is trying to figure out how do we create this environment for Black ideas to be prosperous and to grow free of white supremacy. Right. And there's just not too many places where Black people can experience that. And if we don't, if we don't experience it, it, I, I feel that it's not I don't want to call it a negative to not experience it, but it's not a positive if you well you you're not gonna you're not gonna understand your true potential. You can't. You can't understand it because I I mean I I I feel every part of what you just said and um but I didn't I I kind of my my college was a sports school mm-hmm. so there was a a majority black. And then it, it wasn't an HBCU, but it, it was just uh, a whole bunch of different people in there, um, ethnicities, countries, you know. And so I got that that world feel yeah. um, of many different cultures. Yeah. Um, but 
are and <laughs> and then then I came to the uh the realization when I got out I was like oh these people because I went to all white uh school all white uh church so mm-hmm. I was like hang on these people at church that are supposed to be my my uh brothers and sisters whatever they look at me just like they look at Michael Brown most definitely <laughs> and and that was the 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 turning point of 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 my perspective i was like hang on let me look at it from a different perspective without throughout or uh, without the the veil of, or um uh, without the lens of of white supremacy does that make sense and yes. then i started that was that was where what you're talking about immersing yourself in the environment and yes. be and being free of white supremacy that's when i started doing a lot of study and research yes. about what was actually going on and how that related to and i'm really strategic and i i, I think deeply and and i research deeply not just for a a surface level understanding i i actually research so that I get a real true understanding and can come to some conclusions yeah. based off of what I know and, and what I study. So that 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 perspective that turned and changed without that veil, it was like, okay, now what you explained in the in in the beginning was that these people are seeing you through the 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 lens of white supremacy. These people are seeing you, and I have to move about my life like that. And I yes. always was moving throughout my life like that. So sitting in, in you know, you the only in, in, uh, in the interviews, you know, <laughs> like exactly. I'm, 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 I'm interviewing with with five white people, like. And so it, now, the, now the, it depends the, on what they think about me. Exactly. Whether I'm gonna get this job or not, even though exactly. I'm qualified, overqualified, they might they might feel intimidated by me because. I work real hard and I got all these accolades behind me, you know? And it's scary to think if, if you never came to these realizations, you would be being yourself, but having the, the lens of white supremacy subconsciously affecting you without your knowledge. A hundred percent of the time. A hundred percent of the time. And <laughs> throughout the pandemic, I was in a lot of phone calls or uh, meetings with, with, uh, you know, we were talking about restorative issues for the black population in America. And to hear some of some black people who live in some of these flyover states where their black family was the one black family in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. they just started to come to terms that they had been living in a racist society. Right. They, they're recounting things that happened in their life. And they're like, wait, that was racist. That was racist. That was racist. That was racist. They weren't able to see it, and okay, I got. I'm I'm in California right now. I've been mm-hmm. here for about thirty days, and I'm gonna do something funny. I'm gonna do something funny when, when I call apartments, especially with my name being Justin Moore. Your name is Michael Taylor. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We're pretty safe. When I call to look for an apartment, I go, um, "Hello, my name is Justin Moore. I was really happy and pleased with your location." Is there any way that we can set up a time that I may come and visit this location uh, at your leisure, whenever it feels comfortable for you? Again, my name is Justin Moore. 
I'd like to see you as soon as I can. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I put it on. Mm-hmm. There was a time in my life when I was putting it on and I didn't know I was putting it on. Mm. It was me calling my, that was being me being who I am. And it's really scary to know that there are a lot of black people in this country who have never had a chance to view themselves outside of the gaze of white supremacy. It's, it's extremely scary to the progress of black people in this country mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. major- for a vast majority of us to have never viewed themselves free of white supremacy. And I think one and, thing, yeah, what you gonna say, Mike? Uh, I was just thinking that's what you're talking about as far as the HBCU immersion experience. You're yes. immersed in it. And now you don't have to, you don't have to go my route and, and study it on your own. You can just feel it and be it and, and become it. Right. Well, I, I don't want to say that we don't have to study it. We still I mean, have to I'm, study I'm not it, saying, I, I'm just saying. I can definitely feel it. I, right. I, I I'm just saying my route was like on a visceral level. Yeah, I, I was just saying my route was was different. Like I didn't oh, get the yes. immersion. I didn't get the immersion process. Yes, I had sir. to go around and 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 just do the studying and make the connections on my own. Yes, sir. in that environment, in the HBCU environment, you you get placed in it, and then you, you get, get to walk about it like you're in the Sims game. <laughs> and- exactly, it's literally a video game because I've only had it for those five years of my life. It did not exist prior to that. And since I have left the HBCU world, since I've graduated from college, it has never existed again. Right. And you feel that and you understand it. Then you walk about life and you're like, oh, I see the difference now. That's that's like going into like you, you only really get fluent at a language if you're immersed in the culture. Right. Yes. So yes. so we a lot a lot of us, I wasn't. And I probably still ain't. Um, Thank you, Michael. Fluent. You just said it. I am fluent in black. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> because you went I'm to your HBCU. I am fluent in black. <laughs> because you went to an HBCU. Yep. And and one thing about HBCUs that I think are important to me, I I read um, uh, Booker T. Washington's book. Um, where at the beginning of, you know, Tuskegee uh, University. And I've also read other books that talk about the beginning of some of these HBCUs. They weren't HBCUs at the time. They were colleges that Black people had to start in order to go to college Mm -hmm. because the other schools did not allow you to go to school. And this uh, A&T was, was created in 1891. Uh, I hope I'm right on that, 1891. And so before 1891, anybody that went to A&T did not have an opportunity. When Howard got created, it was just Howard. Like all the black people could only go to Howard. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. Tuskegee, all the black people in this country could only go to Tuskegee. And to think all of the other quote unquote superior schools were there. Harvard was around. Yale was around. 
Um, mm-hmm. For years. For, for, for Harvard, it's like 1600s. You know oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah slaves probably built that school and then could not go to that school. So you still have to understand that if you do go to Harvard, and I'm Harvard, obviously, Harvard and Yale is obviously one of the top tier schools in this country. Some of it because they got slave money. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to put somebody down because they are going to Duke. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to Wake Forest. I'm not putting you down because you go to these schools. But you still have to know that the foundation of these schools was not built for you. And at the moment that you're going there, still trying to figure out how to allow you to exist in their school that was not created for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And exist in their world. And exist in their world. They did not intend for you to be here. And you being here is something that they are struggling to allow at this moment. It's a threat. It's a threat. Hello? I'm here. I was thinking really hard because one Black person going to Duke is not a threat. Well, I'm just saying, like long term, you like if you if you keep on going up the 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 ladder and and you you're able to compete with those jobs that oh that yes only no, that, them, that like so yeah. even at the uh, at the college level you're you're still a threat because if you make it you know you're gonna know the same things that I know. <laughs> well, and, this is my this is my issue now, though, at a at a white HBC at a, a white HBCU, excuse me, at a white university. What version of history are you learning? What version of black people do you get to learn about? What examples of positive black people, positive people that reflect your image, do you get to see at a white university? Mm-hmm. that's what I mean by I wouldn't to I agree with how you mean that it's a threat for for white supremacy for us to just let all of y'all into our school and then y'all start taking our job because that's what they don't want but from the from a black perspective how is it helpful for me other than getting a sheet of paper that has Harvard's name on it mm-hmm. how is it helpful for me and my personal growth about myself and how I view myself. Mm-hmm. And I think w- one thing about college right now that's so important is, I mean, a lot of people who graduate from college are not necessarily doing what their sheet of paper says they went to college for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And from the age of 17 to 23, whatever age we fit in there, this is a huge part of growth, of individual yeah. growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the book, for me, I'm not trying to show a lot of my accolades that I got from going to an HBCU. It's really about the experience being at an HBCU. Not my classes that I went to, but the time that I spent in between class. The time that I spent in my dorm room when classes were over. The time that I spent at band practice. The time that I spent in the calf hanging out with my friends or just mm-hmm. looking around and only seeing it's it's, it's it's 200 people in the cafeteria eating food right now and everybody's black <laughs> you know what I mean that I cannot relive that moment anywhere else in this country I cannot relive that moment outside of jail jail may be the only other <laughs> spot where you go and everybody will be black yeah yeah <laughs> 
Well, we the majority. I mean? Majority, majority. But the people in charge aren't black. Right. It's, it's different. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're right. Black. When when everybody you see is is your people, you cannot. I don't care what your degree is in. You cannot redo that, and you can't make up for it. Um. After the fact. You know, no. I mean, yeah. those were formative years about me. I'm I'm going to be 37 in November. And mm-hmm. I know that I am still those moments at that at that time created the version of me that I am right now. And created the person that that was able to walk away from a career <laughs> and <laughs> and pursue something different. Exactly. Well, because I mean, I mean because of you understood what the system was was doing well i i'd like to i'd like to reverse that that's correct okay teaching was plan b what it oh, really teaching was, was plan b. teaching was plan b what it really was was giving was me seeing in myself the possibility of plan a actually happening mm. that i i know now because of the people that i stem from that if I put my all into what I believe in, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I read Frederick Douglass' book very early in my in my uh, in my reading of what happened to us, and Frederick Douglass overcame an insurmountable amount of trials to be mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. He may have been one of the most famous people on the planet while he was alive. Yeah, and he was born the, the most photographed too. The most photographed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like and he was an uneducated slave. He was an adult male slave, right? Who could not read at one point in his time to then be able to be an orator with the highest amount of the Queen's English being spoken. You know what I mean? Right. Same thing with Booker T. Same thing with. George Washington Carver, same thing mm-hmm. with any of the people who have said, I'm going, we believe in ourselves. there is no stopping it. And I think going to a HBCU allowed me to establish a strong belief in Black people, first Black people, and then my mm-hmm. personal recognition as a Black person, that I can achieve what I desire to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, who one, cares of what the obstacles are? Uh, yeah, one thing that um, that I study as in my study of success over the the seven years that I've been studying it is that what, my favorite quote of all time is from Napoleon Hill: "Every adversity comes with it the seed of its equivalent or greater advantage," and that. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I've been saying that to everybody. I was like, that is the no matter who you are, but black people especially, because the, the success is different from, from white people to black people. And I like I study I I studied both of our races in yes, depth. And the adversity that we have is different from their adversity, right? So the adversity that we have is put on us from an outside, or mostly from an outside source yes, before is. we even get to our own adversities, which is, you know, the growth that we have to do as individuals. Yes, sir. <laughs> we have these outside 
bar- uh barriers these uh these generational curses these yes, uh these outside these white supremacy type stuff yes sir (laughs) we have all of that to to get to just ourselves. yes and that that adversity and this is what i tell black people all the time is that our ancestors our relatives everybody like we are in a time right now where where they didn't have the freedoms and the the uh, privileges that we actually have today. What resources, not privileges, whatever, but the resources that that we have today, we can use to our advantage. And then somebody told me the other day that um, the seed has to die first when when in the in the uh, in the growth process you know the seed of its equivalent or greater advantage Mm -hmm. so they said it has to break out of that shell and and before it breaks out of that shell the 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 seed dies Mm -hmm. and that's why the shell is able to be broken and then Mm -hmm. it grows Mm -hmm. so there's a a uh a uh, metamorphosis that happens in that process but we don't i mean not a but and we don't understand that in our adversities we get we get our because of generational and because of systemic and all mm-hmm. of that stuff that's mm-hmm. been piled on for years and years mm-hmm. trauma all of that stuff we have with each person that 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 is born has a a a seed of its equivalent or greater advantage in them it, it yes sir and it has to be nourished it has to be cultivated it has to be it has, it, and and that's what I, I think from all of the hbcu uh co-authors and <laughs> that i've been that seed is cultivated inside of that uh the hbcu environment and yes, then when you come out the the um the confidence you have because I had to go through my own process of understanding the past and the history and, and looking at all the documentaries, reading the books and, you know, just piecing it all together. Mm -hmm. I did that on my own. That's just the type of person I am. But um, for somebody who's not that forward thinking as that or understanding the, the different uh, elements at play. Exactly you have to go and and immerse yourself in a different environment so that you can be fluent in black. <laughs> yes, and I'm I'm very glad you brought up Napoleon Hill. Uh uh because I I study Napoleon Hill as well. And one thing that also gives me so much joy and pride is knowing that I am prayed up. And the adversity that has been put in front of the people that I descend from, we have been constantly overcoming this adversity. We have been born with the adversity adversity in front of us and we have been constantly meeting it face to face. And and that is also generational. There's this shirt that I that I came out there right before the pandemic. I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. And it really, it really made me remember, or made me think, especially as I, I read a lot of slave narratives, that they have been praying 
to this day for hundreds of years. And they prayed for their children. They prayed for the end of slavery. We've been praying for the souls of white people. We have been doing this for four, five, six hundred years. Just in this country, we not, I, there's another book that needs to be read. If you haven't read this book called Destruction of Black Civilization, but we can go back to the beginning of racism itself. But as far as American slavery, since the inception of this country, we have been overcoming adversity. Mm -hmm. And we have been raising our vibration or tuning our vibration to the pitch of overcoming. And so when I'm able to reflect on that and to think we, we move it into a spiritual place and I normally, I normally lead us alone because I'm very, 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 very spiritual. And the people that I descend from are very, very spiritual people and mm -hmm. the prayers and the songs and the thoughts that they were thinking about me at this time is giving me power. And if I don't push to my hardest ability, I am not, I am letting them down. And I think, I think one thing about going to a HBCU, this, well, specifically A&T, and I know Howard has his own version of this and the people in Tuskegee have their own version of this. But when you walk past the Greensboro Four and you look at these young men who were at that time, early 20s were putting up this, the fight that allows me to be at A&T at this moment. I have to do it for them. And mm -hmm. knowing that they had to do it for the people in front of them while also doing it for me, which is why when I was a teacher, I have to, I have to say what I'm saying for the Greensboro Four, but I also have to do it for the students in my class who will in return have to do it for their students mm -hmm. 80 years from now when they're 30. You know what I mean? This recycle of pushing forward, I think is really the hugest threat for white people right now uh, is because we're, we're going to continue to overcome. And it's my sp specific job as a descendant of slaves in this country, as a black person in a white supremacist world, it is my job to push forward with everything that I have. Mm -hmm. And I, I will recognize not necessarily going to an HBCU has taught me to push forward, but it's taught me that I'm capable of such things. Mm -hmm. It's taught me that inside of me is the power. And I grew up in the 90s, so I'm watching stuff like most of my favorite TV shows before The Cosby Show, before Steve Urkel, got a lot of white kids in them. Mm -hmm. And these were just rich white kids. I didn't know they was rich. I just thought they <laughs> was kids. But come to find out, they had their parents had money. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Zach Morris had a cell phone in high school. Right, right, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's money. Yeah. And they, yeah, they that was money. And at, this is my main reason as a as an actor, I want to tell stories that show black people being successful. Right. Because if you don't go to an HBCU and your entire knowledge of black people is through the TV, you have been indoctrinated to believe that black people are subpar. 
You have been indoctrinated to believe that black people are beneath, that they are not smart, they are not educated, they are not able. That is that is what the media of America has taught black people. That either we are not present at all, why you can make a movie like Saving Private Ryan and there not be no black <laughs> nope. There's no black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? How how are you supposed to view yourself as a worthy person mm-hmm. in this country that acts like you weren't here? Mm-hmm. You know, and so going to a HBCU was me being able to look around and say, oh, my people are here. We are getting it. We are crushing it. We're making it look easy and we're doing it and having a great time. And and just a real quick homecoming at black schools is a big deal. Mm hmm. It's not the same at Appalachian State. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not the same at Clemson. And a lot of Black people that meet HBCU Black people in the future, they go, what is up with y'all in homecoming? I mean, it's just a basket. It's just a football game. No, 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 no. No, it is not. Um, and I am so thankful that I get to participate in that. I'm so thankful that my mom made sure that when I was a child, she was making sure that I was an active participant while also showing me that she was a participant and that there are black people that are doing things. Uh, because if you don't, if you don't go to an HBCU and uh, like you do your personal study on the history of this country, you just won't believe that black people had a hand in anything positive in this country. Yeah, and it's really hard to view yourself as a positive person when you look in the mirror and you see a black person and then you look on TV and it's only negative traits of black people. Going or where, where athletes are. In, or in only athletes. The only way out is basketball. Or music, or, or mu- all entertainment. Music. entertainment. Entertainment is the only way out. Um, and not engineers, even though A&T makes more Black engineers than any other place on the country. I don't understand any Black person that goes to another school than A&T to get an engineering, engineering degree. degree. It doesn't make sense. Your dollar is not being well spent. I don't care where you went. You know what I mean? And we need to uphold our schools. There's a question of whether HBCUs are relevant. And first off, I want to say they're relevant because the other schools are white schools. (laughs) (laughs) All the other schools are white schools. And you will receive a white lesson if you go to those schools. And you are black. There, that's the end of it, right there. <laughs> no, uh, pause. Like we, <laughs> I was, there, there was nothing else to say after that. that <laughs> there's nothing and and I'd like to applaud you, Michael, for doing your own personal research because I know many Black people who were have not been put in this environment that don't know that there's research that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they think that Boys in the Hood is the state of all Black people. Right. You know what I mean? And even even so, I got friends and stuff. Like I, I'm the only one that do does research like that. Um, I got I got like two two really good friends that I grew up with, went to college with, and then one that I went to high school with. 
and they understand that there's something else going on, but they they just leave it to oh, it's racism. It's you know, it it's it's they're not making the connection of how I make the connection now. And I'm like, hey, the only the only reason why they didn't want us reading is because they didn't want us to be successful. And that—that <laughs> that is the number one thing. The reason why they didn't want us to integrate, or uh, they wanted us to segregate, is because they always—they—they want—they didn't want us to be successful across the the board. Like now, we are transitioning into a time where we talked about earlier. Is we're going to be the majority majority in this country, not just us, black and brown people. The white people will be the minority. Yes. Right. For the first time ever in yep. the history of the uh, and and then like we need to be able to thrive and not just be survivors. Because if we if we I really think and this is what I wanted to bring up earlier is that our mindset has been conditioned to survive. Yes. And we've been doing that for too long and we need to transition to thriving and yes. the mindset of thriving, <laughs> not just, I mean, we're not just going to thrive right off the back, but striving survival mode. <laughs> What'd you say? Striving for the highest. Right. Right. And and that's what thriving is. That's living in abundance. That is knowing that you're capable and worth it, and and you don't have to live in a uh a, a w- without money, and and you can do better, and you can grow into this thing. And 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 that's why the work that I that I have coming out is is so crucial. Is that we need to understand the process of success. Yes, and, and because. Even though you got a certain level of education, um, it, it, what Jim Jim Rohn said, like I still listen to everybody. If you got good information, I'm listening to you, I right? <laughs> so um, he said that uh, formal education will make you a living. Self education will make you a fortune. So we need to go from that, like the long term success. I asked uh, one of the ladies on on the podcast from uh ant i was like do you think that we should start combining our businesses that we're creating because we need a number one number two number three and they all need to be like leaders but we have all of these different businesses i'm not saying don't create your business i'm not saying that i'm just saying that to build a a bigger and uh business like some of us are going to have to come together and work together. So there was no uh, Chicago Bulls without Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, you, Dennis Rodman. You you see what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> you're <so laughs> and, and, and I'm just like everybody popping up a business, T-shirt business, uh, nail business, you know, all of these different things. Combine. Let's work together and build a a a brand that is bigger than just an uh, individual exactly <laughs> now and you, you you're putting you're putting it on the nose now and i think w- one thing about going to hbcu was seeing the unification oh really that we were all together and since integration we have not existed in a reality where we were all together 
and seeing us be simultaneously successful in unison. Mm. We don't get this. So a lot of almost all black people in this country, because we're seeing ourselves through the lens of white supremacy, operate on an island, an individual island. And we're yep. all on our own island. Yeah. I have to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's rarely we have to make it. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm a part of the Phoenix Network. And really it is saying we have to make it. Um, I, I, I traveled across the country. And while I did, I stopped in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I went to the Greenwood area, Black Wall Street, where they destroyed it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that is really the threat is Black people coming together. The reason that integration was a success in stopping Black people from being great is because it dispersed the Black people. Mm-hmm. When we were in an environment, and of course it was forced, but we were in an environment of being together and we were thriving in that environment. And now we are trying to subjugate, we're trying to thrive in an environment that does not want us to thrive. That mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Right. We should pull, but we're trying to fight. We're trying to swim upstream in an environment that was created for us to fail. Which, right. But which, I think, I think that's a part of the adversity too. So if we start winning at their game, <laughs> there's no way they can stop us and I, and we are starting to do that with, well, with all the businesses that are re- being created i think we really are starting to 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 win at their game we're starting to understand there's there's nothing holding us back now you know you, you, you you're right but i would say that if we made our own game it would be over it would be over if we came out with our own game because you know what you, the game that we would make, they wouldn't be able to play that game. Right, right. They wouldn't be, they would not, they they would lack the skill set required. I when, think I think that is the, I think that is the game at, at the it same is, time. It should be the game. We should not I mean, be thriving in their game. We should be having our own game. And that game would thrive. Right, right. So what I'm saying is that our ha- having to thrive in their game will just add on to the innovation of our ultimate game that we create at the end, oh, which they can't play. You see, I completely huh? agree. You see what I'm saying? No, so I completely we, agree. There, there, there's something that we have to learn and understand that they're doing and and then bring that out. So I, I'm in a uh, well, I grew up in a, a different, uh, I was immersed in, in their culture so i can understand what they're doing while they're doing it right praise god and then i can we need you michael we need you that's what i'm saying i was like the trojan horse and now i'm coming back to everybody else and i'm like all right this is why i mean these are some of the connections that i see to help us really thrive in this game called life which is Success is the number one thing that we need to look at and and strive for yeah. because success is abundant. Success is thriving, and and success is is you're 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 doing exactly what you want to do when you want to do it, and um, that's with without any any obstacles, right? Yeah. Without um, 
the not the threat of any obstacles. They're still there, but we understand that we won't lose unless we quit. Right. That's <laughs> yes. And and and, and if we have that mentality, so that's 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 my uh, it's it's a mentality. So yes. I created a mentality called "I won't lose, you won't lose, we won't lose." I U E, and um, and that's just a play on words. So we got to get into our subconscious. It can't just be "I will win," or "I I must," "I I can," "I will," "I must." You know, what I mean, it's you have to understand uh, winning and losing, and that's yes. all about what life is about. Yes. And the only way that you can lose is if you quit. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's the only way you can lose. That's, that's the, the only way you can lose. That's what our history, that's what I think my favorite part about studying our history has taught me that the black people in the past who just said, I will keep going, have constantly been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I thought about this when you said playing their game that I that I tell to black people all the time that because it is true that we we can we can we can uh we can be great at their game we can flourish at their grant at their game uh there has not been a all-white successful basketball team since the first day they let black people play mm. since that since that day mm-hmm. there and we can say that across the board with anything, which is mm-hmm. half the reason that they don't want us to play and half right. the reason why there's so many obstacles in front of us to get there. But when when we are when we are allowed to be in the room, which is also why the adversity is worth it. The adversity mm-hmm. is worthwhile. There's a book that I still have to read. It's called Fear the Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the adversity has made us so imagine unimaginably strong so imagine unimaginably uh uh, uh my brain is not pulling up the word resilient resilience thank you which mm-hmm. makes my p- ability to persevere extremely strong that the moment that we decide that we were going to move in a direction there's i'm not concerned about getting to the end and it may be hard it may be rough there may be tons of obstacles that we have no clue what they look like. But as long as I continue to put one step in front of the other, success is low key guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That's that's understanding winning and losing right there. It's plain and simple. I will not lose. In college, I used to say this all the time. Uh, me and my best friend, we said it all the time. I may not always win, but I never lose. We used to look at each other and say it all the time. Really? Uh, say yeah. that again? I may not always win, but I never lose. Right. And 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 it is hard, very hard to be a person that will never quit, that won't See back it. down. Yes, and and that's that's what we've done <laughs> with with just being in this country. <laughs> That that is exactly what we done. We never we never stopped. We never stopped moving. We never stopped putting that uh, foot in front of the other, right? Exactly. So you just you just solidify what I like. 
I've been studying this stuff for a long time. And, and you know, the crazy thing about it is that um, I had a, a logo done, right, with my um, my work hard philosophy, which is an acronym. And then under it, it has I won't lose, you won't lose, we won't lose, right? And uh, the lady was like, I, I'm hesitant to put something negative in um, in in that uh, on, on somebody's uh, logo. Right. And I was like, what? what'd you say? She said she was hesitant to put something. What was negative? Well, lose or yeah, losing is is a negative. Usually people talk about win. I yes, will win. You, you, I think that's what she suggested. I will win. You will win. We will win. Type of type of stuff. I was like, that's that's not how my life is went. It's I have overcome losses, and the game is just about winning and losing. And if well, I understand, I actually, I low key from Napoleon Hill from a Napoleon Hill perspective, I like what she's saying. I win. You win. We win. Uh, without putting the negative in there. But I think I, I like both. I like both. I just want to say I understand what she's saying. I, I yeah, yeah. I, I understood what she was saying, but I, I had to, I am bringing something out of me that that was inside of me. And I was like, I, I explained it to her. I was like, it's, it's, it's a play on words. Yeah. So the subconscious, it, because if you go up to anybody and you look them in the face, and say, you will not beat me. I will not lose to I you. I will not lose to you. That's power. you see what that is. That is all the way power. And yeah. and that's just saying, even if even in loss, I never really lose unless I quit because we're always learning. We're all like even the lo losses, the failures, the those different types of things. That's all are, the way to the goal. I may not always win, but I never lose. You see, you feel me? I never so I had lose. Saying that I'm not going to lose is is very very scary. And I also think that's what all of our people before us would. That's when 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 the Greensboro Four went to that countertop, they knew walking in there that they was not going to win. They knew they wasn't going to win, but they also were not willing to take loss. Right. So they right. had to do it again, and they had to do it again. It's the same thing with you fall down six times, get up seven times. It's right. The same sort of deal. Yeah. The thing that I'm really trying to get people to see, if you fall down 80 times, you got to get up 81 times. Like, I want that number to be much, much bigger. bigger. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm not going to, I am not going to lose. You see, you see, <laughs> you see like that it, because it's different. Like Napoleon Hill, he, he's still white, though. You know what I'm saying? So the positivity, he's still, he's white. You, you see what I'm saying? The, even though he still had uh, thinking grow rich, a black choice. I got right here in front of me. Uh, now, can I ask you a private personal question? Go what ahead. do you think about the difference of those? Somebody just told me to read that book. Should I do I need I've already read Think and Grow Rich. Do I need to go read the black choice or do yes. I understand? Yes. yes. OK, I'm, I'm yes. going to read it. Somebody just brought it to my attention. I'm going to read it. Thank you very much. Yeah, just um, it, it gives the, uh, yeah, it gives our examples. I that, appreciate that. that. You see what I'm saying? It yes, just, it just, it gives our examples. Just like you had the, the HBCU experience, um, you, you get the examples right there and they go through it in depth on how they overcame and 
pretty much the it's the book a book of resiliency <laughs> like everybody right. that they name they and and this is what what black people what you said earlier we don't we don't study those people that are, are have been successful because they've all went through adversity yep. and and high adversity like high adversity <laughs> like it, it wasn't like a uh it, that that should have broke them like all every every highly successful person oprah comes to mind like she was molested or whatever happened raped and which could have broke her at a young age you know what i mean she was also black that's what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) you feel me that but that's because I, you, you know, you in school, like I'm in high school, man, and and the black kids, they not even. I mean, it's hard to get to them, like in that environment. You this know, this is why I, I do understand critical race theory, um, uh, for that reason, and I also understand why it's making white people nervous and upset. Uh, a lot of our black youth don't understand the adversity that we've overcome to get where we are and to get them where they are (laughs) and to get them where they are they do not they have no it has never been taught and the few times that it has been taught it has been turned down it has been diminished it has been uh rewritten and subjugated it is not there's no way for them to know the amount of work and determination and bloodshed and tears that has got them just to be able to be where they are at that moment. And that is so, so important to to our own understanding of ourselves in this present moment. And they there's a, an immense power to when you know what has happened to get you where you are. Mm-hmm. Without a, you even being without present. Without you even be yes. One of the things that's, that I, I really ponder over is knowing that on the ships from Africa, tons, millions of people died, mm-hmm. whether they died from starvation or they were thrown off the ship or they threw themselves off the ship. Millions of people died. And for me to be here at this moment, the amount of slavery that was endured I don't know my great, 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 great grandmother, but I know she was a slave and I know that the child that she has was a slave and the child that that child had was also a slave in this country. Mm -hmm. And the amount of fortitude and determination and resilience for me to just be born in this country Mm -hmm. has already made me successful. Right. It is. I'm. I was. I was successful. The fact that I'm alive and I can speak coherent sentences in a line makes me successful in this country. Um, and I'll say that I looked. I in the subway in North in New York. I saw this woman. She was out of her mind. She was screaming and shouting all types of belligerent things, and I chuckled for a second. And then I got angry, because the state of this country and everything that we have had to ordeal should have all of us in that state at all times. We should all be out of our minds. We should literally, this country is, it's, this, this country is built to create us to be like her, completely out of our minds. And so the fact that I'm able to stand here and be coherent 
is because the people that I descend from have fought for me to be this way. And the one thing that you were saying earlier, if you want to hide something from a nigga, put it in a book. I'm sorry I said nigga on your thing, but that's, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. that's the that's the saying. You want to hide something from a nigga, put it in the book. Yeah, yeah. And when I really started to understand that sentence, knowing that that sentence was being prepared for me and the people who came before me, is when I started reading everything. 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 That, I, that, that's the study that I was telling you about. Yes. Like I, I was watching documentaries. I was reading the books. I was reading uh success books like i'm I'm reading everything i'm making connections with everything and and the one thing the one thing that 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 has held us back is success, success. And, and 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 if you even look at slavery in general it was it's a business so a lot of people can a lot of white people can can um separate business and emotion right yeah they, they've really they they can do that real good so they'll still do business with a person even though they're they're uh they're not a good person in general right yeah they can separate that we can't we're still emotional to that fact but that just goes to show that slavery was a business to them so they didn't care how they treated those people you know what i mean and they they can they this is maybe reaching or whatever they just they took out all the emotion and they they you did what you had to do to get that person to do whatever you needed them to do to get that money to get the greed you know well, i like to i like to uh counter that okay like counter that the emotion that was a part of slavery is I am better than them. And that is the emotion right now that is challenging a lot of white people is that they apart. I was raised in a white supremacy world. White people were also raised in a white supremacy world. At the same time we At were conditioned, the they were conditioned. Yes, and they have also been indoctrinated into mm -hmm. white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And everything, everything that I watched as a child told me that black people were not good. Everything that they watched as a child told them that white people were good, mm -hmm. and that white people are regularly successful in this country. And they believe when they watch Private Ryan that this is a actual event, and there were no black people fighting right. for them. That's how they. That's how they see it. So there is an emotional attachment that came with slavery. Yeah. When, I, when I read, right. when I read some some slave narratives, I, in our when they tell us about slavery, they just talk about picking cotton. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about the little boy who is sitting in the living room of the dining room and just spanning white people for five hours. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about the the little boy who the slave master is having gout. And he tells the little boy to lay down and he puts his feet on the little boy's back for the next three hours. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about um, the, uh, the the disgusting amount of of rape that mm, white yeah. people would make black people rape each other so they could watch. They don't yeah. talk about this. Right. White people's whole identity in this country has been fully invested in superiority complex. Right. And 
they are emotionally attached to being superior. And Bull Connor said that. He said, I realized that I don't have to tell, I don't have to fix these white, poor white people's streets. I don't have to give them better education. All I have to do is to continue the facade that you are better than them. And I'm giving you two inches more than I give them. And that makes it everything okay. Yeah. So there, there is a emotional attachment to superiority in this country. Gotcha. That, yeah. That white people have are just now starting to view objectively yeah and come to grips with and come to uh, not even they are far from coming to grips with <laughs> they're just now starting to see that it has been happening yeah yeah that's and like, going, that's now like... they're starting to question they still have it's gonna be 20 30 years for yeah is happening yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and simultaneously the black people who have been subjugated, subject, subjugated to seeing themselves as it as inferior, are it is effort for me to 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 work at seeing myself as great. Yes, I have to put work into it. Yes, I was not born in a society that told me that by being alive I am already great. I was not born in that world. But white people were born in the world where they're you're four years old and you're already meant to be a millionaire. Right. You're four years old and success is already planned for you. I did not grow up in that world. Mm -hmm. And and it takes work to get out of it. Work to it first you have to realize that you are in it. In it. <laughs> and Michael, that's one thing that you were able to do. That's and I'll I'll even say that there are people at HBCUs that still have to realize that they were in it. And I do believe that they have a energy inside of them that was created by going to a HBCU. Have you seen Hidden Colors, Michael? No, I've seen, I've seen part of them. Go find it. I will send it. It's on Apple. Any Anybody that listens to this podcast, you need to go watch Hidden Colors 1 and 2 right now immediately stop everything that you're doing and find hidden colors one and two and go watch it yeah I, I follow uh Tariq or whatever his name Tariq is Nasheed, yeah yeah I, have I, you seen buck breaking yeah i i haven't seen it i haven't seen it no i haven't either i i've been you know and and there's something like the, throughout my study there's something powerful that that happens when i when i like start seeing that stuff and understanding it mm -hmm. and um and like just even with like going understanding like culture in africa so uh anthony uh i forgot his name uh but he's like a a, a he been excavating over in africa and egypt and stuff mm -hmm. for years and um I was like, I need to go to these places. Yes. I need to see them. I need to touch yes. them. I need yes. to understand the the magnificence and the magnificence of what they actually did. Like those yes. pyramids are huge. Have you been to have you been to see the pyramids? No, that's what I'm saying. I, I went, need to go I went and touch year. them. I went this year. Oh yeah. Um, to be at the foot of the pyramid and to look up at it and go. The people that I'm descended of made this was a, was a, it, I felt it inside of me. I am 
amazing. And the people that I descend from have done things that we still can't explain. Right. I am of right. those people. Those are my people. I am. I because of them, I am. Mm -hmm. That was that was the title that I that I named um, my chapter in the book. Um, I, I actually can't remember, but it's, it's a part of Sankofa. They mm -hmm. are, I am. Because of them, I know that I have this power running through my bones. Mm -hmm. I know that I have it in my blood. I know it's a part of my DNA. And I, I actually, that's why I, I tell people to see hidden colors, because when you are able to see the adversity and then see how easily, I won't say easily, but it looked easy, but to see how it was overcome has to give you a personal power. So mm -hmm. hey, yeah, I want to go to Luxor. I want to go to all the places where there was a present, a strong African presence, right? Where they were just being successful in destruction of black civilization. It started at the book starts at the beginning of the destruction. So 15 minutes after peak society at the beginning of the decline is when the book starts this is starts at uh dr william chancellor starts the book at 4500 bc at the beginning of the decline of african superiority in in this world on the planet and it's very interesting to watch how we go from african civilization being the bud of civilization being the birth of music math science writing reading knowledge in general to african american slavery to 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 see that happen in one book is jaw dropping while also makes it makes it make sense why the american black in this country has changed the entire planet. Hip hop is the most sold thing on this planet. Mm -hmm. Everything that black people do in America becomes the coolest thing on the planet. Yep. And when we really start to view that and harness that power individually together, we would also be able to look at each other and go, there's nothing that can stop us right now. Nothing. And that's not even really not even I mean. adversity. Not even adversity. <laughs> not even racism. Not nothing. Technically, over the course of history, there ain't been no adversity. <laughs> there's been there's been personal adversity. Right. I've had adversity over the last few hundred years uh, or last few thousand years. There has been adversity, but if you look at the scope of human existence, there ain't been no. Oh, okay. There ain't been I see. No adversity. <laughs> I see what you're talking and about. And we have had more time as prosperous than we have had under subjugation in this country. And I think that has given me a renewed strength of belief in myself and belief in my people and belief in the spirit that is inhabiting my body to know that over the course of my spiritual existence, even though it was rough, success is, has been low-key guaranteed. <laughs> the fact that slavery is not half white people don't, they wish we could go back to slavery. Not all of them. But a lot of people are still upset that they don't have slaves.
<laughs> it's funny, but there's people that wish that we would go back. Right, right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have been able to keep pace in this country and be successful in the midst of the adversity is scary to a lot of white people. Yep. Because um, there's no stopping us after there's that. There's no stopping. And I and that's the part that we have to come to grips with. Yeah. Is being able to view ourselves equal in the midst of the adversity that we have been going through. There's this uh coach who was trying to teach his children about racism. And he had everybody start at the at line. At the line, yep, yep. Keep and on going. Normally, what you see is the negatives. Uh -huh. Step back if you had a single parent house. Step back if you had this. And you black people start stepping backwards. But he did the opposite. He said, step forward if you had this. And white people were stepping forward and stepping forward. And the race was going to start from there. The scary thing is that we need to understand is that even with the head start, there are even when people even when black people don't have a head start some of us are still winning mm -hmm. and when i can view that in the people that i come from it gives me an outrageous mental strength it gives me an outrageous amount of courage to know that even though there are adversity in front of me and i can see it coming that is not that does not mean failure at all and if i don't quit it, when i get there and it's time for me to jump over it it's going to be easy Simple, simple. I just need to make sure I jump when it's time. Yep. <laughs> and most of what is happening to us is the belief that we can't jump. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because, it, it, because it's easy to not jump. And it's also our whole entire society has told us that we can't jump, that we are not <laughs> capable of jumping. Yep, yep. And until you, until you actually go through and and, and what I call it for my students is the achieve, achievement momentum yeah. is that you you achieve, 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 achieve. You don't know what's coming up. Like you, we can have plans and uh, but at, at such a young age, you don't understand what you're actually meant to do. So the achievement momentum tells you uh, graduate high school, um, go to a trade school, go to a college, you know, um, uh, uh, get straight, uh, you know, get good grades, enter, uh, get into organizations, um, help that organization win. You know, those are all achievements that that build a momentum. And what I've uh, come to realize with everybody that I've I've interviewed from the HBCUs, and you guys are highly successful, and <laughs> you all have have done a whole bunch of achieving. And y'all have uh, got this whole stack of achievements that 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 <laughs> that, that that tells you like I can do this. I can do this. I but can do if this. I look at my one of my best friends who uh, went I went to high school with, he hasn't achieved much after high school. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like so to complete. A, a a a highly successful project which you know you want to be a music artist or whatever you need to start achieving something on a regular basis to build you up so that you can be resilient when it comes time and you can say i believe in myself i can do this because 
just the, even just knowing that somebody else did it before you, that's not enough. You still have to have those achievements under your belt to to guarantee your success because we can give you success and, and you not be able to maintain it. And that's what happens to a lot of people. It yeah. are a lot of people that that get it quickly. You know, they haven't had the the uh, achievements lined up to help them maintain through. And even the 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 athletic player, the especially the entertainers, like yeah. you can see the uh, <laughs> the amount of achievements that they did. I put out one album here, another album. I keep on going two albums, three albums. My my seventh album ain't, is the one that popped. But if I would have never done those six before, it would have it would have never popped. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what for me. I think one of the things that makes me the most proud is the adversity. I am thankful for the adversity. Mm -hmm. And and with the Napoleon Hill quote, it makes me look at black people and say we have had the most amount of adversity. That's exactly what I said. And which means we got the greatest advantage. We've got the greatest advantage. We've got the greatest advantage. You have to look at adversity as like a slingshot. And pulling backwards is rough. It creates tension in the rubber band. You have to use your muscles. You have to use you have to use your fortitude and your mental strength to pull that thing back. But when you let that sucker go, depending on how much effort you put into the adversity is going to show how much further it goes. And we have had, we've had generational adversity, mm -hmm. which also means that in line for me is generational success. And I am a just, I'm just part of the path of moving forward toward greater success. And so my child, as well as my grandchild will still be, in the direction of the success. One thing I talk about as far as healing is concerned, because that's, healing is a huge thing for uh, Black people in this country. But it takes, if somebody punches you in the face, it takes a millisecond to get that Black eye. But it takes a week and a half mm -hmm. to heal from the Black eye. Mm -hmm. And our millisecond of the punch that created the Black eye is 500 years of slavery in this country and so we're still not further away from the slavery than the amount of time that the slavery lasted mm. so we're still if, if this was a black eye it would still be very dark right now yeah you know what i mean and i'm on the way to the success and my parents were on the way to the success and my children will still be en route to the success but the success is low-key Garen freaking T. And it, at, I'm speaking as a people. Mm -hmm. six, mm -hmm. And we're seeing it right now. We're seeing yep. the beginning of it right now. The beginning of it, yeah. The beginning of it right now. Our, the, the, our parents set us up real smooth. And I really got I, I really to think about it where my, um, my parents, my dad was born in a two bedroom house where he had six brothers and sisters. I, I, when I would go to my grandparents' house, my dad said I was born here. And I'd be like, how, how, how Sway? Where did, where was all the people at? I don't understand. But then my parents 
both my mom and my dad were the first in their family to go to college. I'm not mm. the first in my family to go to college. I get to build upon what they built upon, what my grandma was able to build upon for them. And so this adversity that we're coming over is, is setting us up for success. And I don't know what my children, I right now am making sure that the what my children have to build upon for me is so, so great and immense. Mm-hmm. And this is what we all should be doing. Uh, so the success is guaranteed. And the, the failure of the side who was our adversity, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll say that we spent some time being first and they spent some time being last. And now they about to spend some time not being first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's just called karma. I don't have. <laughs> you I don't have, did what you did. You did what you did. I don't have to do anything. That's another part that I've really learned. I don't have to do anything to make karma happen. No. So no. I'm no longer focused on like overcoming white supremacy. I don't have to do that. The second yep. it was born, it was going to have to die. And yep. praise God that I get to live in the moment when I'm seeing it die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we get to watch it die and our children get to watch it die. The only thing that I need from our children is that they know that it lived. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See the adversity that we have overcome, which would give them mental strength and mental courage. And that's the only thing that I think um, they need. And I know going to an HBCU gave me mental strength. It gave me mental courage and it gave me mental fortitude and belief that the people that I descend from and the people, not even descend from, the people around me are great people. And this is what they don't want me to know is that my people are great. Man, you started the you started the podcast like that and you ended the podcast like that. That's dope right there. It came full circle. It came full circle. It came full. Thank you for even acknowledging that. I appreciate that because it's it's really deep. It's really deep how uh-huh. how many layers of things you have to go through to see it. But yeah. thank God for the people who start, I don't know there, I can't spit the, the founders of my institution. I'm sorry about that. But the people who said there needs to be a higher learning place specifically for black people in this country, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for them. And I'm so indebted to their thought process, even though this was almost this over a hundred years ago. And all the people, black universities are relevant because they were created by black people specifically intending for black people to go there so if you are black you should go that's it i'm gonna leave it right there and plug the book oh thank you thank you thank you thank you um i this is the third edition of the hbcu experience i am of one chapter of this book i believe over 15 chapters in this book that are going to show you why you should come to an HBCU and what the HBCU experience means for Black people in this country and how it feels to be at an environment where everybody around you is you. And I'm going to end it right there. My man, it was a (laughs) pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you. We the same age, man. Thank and, you, Michael. And, Michael, we need to connect outside of this because me and you are friends now, brother. Hey, for real, for real. We, <laughs> hey, uh, I got your number, so I'll I'll, I'll text you, and 
make sure uh, you got my number too. So yes, we'll sir. connect. Because yes, we need to do a trip. Like that'll be a great experience to to do a trip with with somebody else that is uh, like my like wants to go to these places and, and wants to feel the 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 ancestors and 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 see it. Oh, for bro, I, got a whole, I got a whole tribe that I need to introduce you to. Uh, and I can't go into that right now, but that's what HBCUs is about building your tribe. Uh, uh, we, I, I do have to run out real quick. My yeah, 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 yeah. I love you and I love, and I love the fact that you are making this happen. I appreciate it. Hey, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, brother Michael. Yep. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. Again, partnering with the HBCU Experience Movement. Be on the lookout for the book, the North Carolina A&T State University 3rd Edition. It's coming out on Amazon in the next month or so, so go get it when it comes out.